Hey, this is Katie Sackoff, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. in a musical, but there's something about that where you can musicalize all different kinds of experiences and they can be humorous and and there's a way to, in, you know, put a little humor and um, sorrow and all kinds of things into songs, which I think it just creates a, a wider palette that, 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 that you don't always necessarily get with your traditional sort of pop music. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast on Twitter at the GBB Podcast, Facebook.com slash the GBB Podcast. We'll do the we'll do the the nerdist thing and hey, are we have we started the show yet? You know what I mean? How the people think yeah, that's what we do every they're day. not sure sure. And that's how we're gonna do it. We're just gonna be talking like this. We've got a new guy on the show and we did not prime him that we start recording from the call. So <laughs> as soon as you hit that little green button, we're we're going. Mike, why don't you introduce yourself? Let us know who. Let everybody know who you are. I, I'm Mike LeSauvage. I'm a fellow geek dad for the Geek Dad Writing that I do with uh, on the same side as Jamie, and uh, I'm an all-around video gamer and apparently Lisa Loeb fan. Yeah, apparently, we'll get to that in a minute. I do want to give Mike a, a special shout out because uh, he, would you say you are just all-around video game geek? Um, he is our Geek Dad VR guy, and you put together some some super awesome videos of your virtual reality playing, which are hilarious. Um, <laughs> so, you know, do you have you posted them anywhere? I mean, I, aside from your post, your posts about specific games. Uh, like I have that. I have a channel, uh, and I they're there. I think uh, you're you're talking about the ones that where I'm reduced to screaming like a little child because yes. of the fear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those those ones are out there for sure. I don't think I ever showed them on Geek Deck because I think I swear, you know, because I'm I'm throwing so so much into the moment and and freaked out that I swear loudly and then fall to the ground. A few of us over at Geek Dad and Geek Mom have gotten together, uh, and we're we're RPGing. We're being total dorks, and uh, we've got a role playing game role playing game going, and we're playing uh, Star Wars: Edge of the Empire. This is my very first RPG ever. I was not a Dungeons and Dragons kid growing up. Um, and Mike is our GM and he is doing a fantastic job keeping us online because I do have to say we don't follow directions very well. You're you're all the worst, but actually, Jamie, if I was to return a compliment, you um, it's been really fun for watching you and anyone else who is new to RPGs because Edge of the Empire has that um, that that you know the mechanic where you have the advantage or the setback and you um when you roll those and they lead to narrative choices you know you guys can sort of assist in telling the story and what you want to happen as well as yeah. the triumph and um the people who are new to this who don't have the weighted history of years and decades of um, dungeons and dragons and third editions and, and right. you know, branches off 
you guys kind of just jumped right into it and you're like, well, I want to do this. And so let, <laughs> let's see what happens. And you've made it a lot of fun that way. Yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. So the first few times we did it, we've played probably what? For only four or five times. I, I think point. we're about five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. So the first couple of times we did it, we did live stream it on Twitch um, through the Geek Dads channel. Um, and I think like two people watched. So we, we kind of stopped doing that. But I feel like we should get back to that. Um, and there, because I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like watching us. It's got to either be crushingly boring or it's going to be like hilarious. Like, so, um, we obviously think we're hilarious, but uh, if there's so a fun. if there's a screaming demand for us to start streaming again, I think we should do that because it's it's been a lot of fun. So I, thank I, you. I, I will fire back up. We can you can plug that in a future in a future episode. We can make that happen. Excellent. So did you find your YouTube channel? Yeah, it's it's called Public Mike. Because I've I've got the private YouTube channel, right? So this one this one's for everyone, but it's public. But it's public M I C. Public Mike also sounds like it's your hip hop stage name. <laughs> that's uh that's that's a coming career. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yes, Justin, uh, you had said we've got Mike on. You were asking about uh, the Lisa Loeb connection. Lisa Loeb, who we are talking to today. Um, Mike is, uh, I, I have to say it's kind of adorable how much of a Lisa Loeb fan he is. Um, we, this is only the second or third time we've done this with a, a guest co-host without Justin. Um, and, uh, it, so far they've been going really, really well, but Mike went above and beyond the call of duty on this one. And he did like so much research and he he dove so much into um lisa loeb's career that he made my job so incredibly easy and it was just a, a just a, I, I just got to just sit back and listen to the conversation because he pretty much carried it and it was fantastic so did you have fun though mike i i had a blast because she i mean she made it easy right and i, I oh, told yeah. you from her. watching some interviews up front you sort of give her a direction on a question mm -hmm. and she she she's really smart. I mean, when you look at her career, she has spent time digging into not just how to be a musician, but how to market it, how to work in the industry. And so I think she spends a lot of time thinking about how to make music. Cause of course, if you're an artist, you want people to hear your stuff. And so I think she's really introspective and you, you point her in a direction for a question. She's got a lot to say about it that, um, that there's a lot of interesting insights she has in music generally and the music industry specifically. Yeah. So we talked to her, um, specifically she was on to promote a couple things we, we we went back we talked to her a lot about music and the music industry and how it's been changing and her her music specifically because she's she's also branched out last 10 years or so she started doing a lot of children's music um so she's got a new ish children's album out and she's also doing a voice for the uh the animated show creative galaxy which is an amazon original um, so we talk a little bit about those things. We talk a little bit about her career. Um, Mike manages to plug her coffee that he was drinking during the interview, which is hilarious. <laughs> oh, I'm drinking that right now. Oh, come oh, he's on. Drinking it again. No way. He, no, 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 no that's not real. This is not real. <laughs> that much of a fan. <laughs> you know, well, when I was researching her for the interview, I stumbled across the coffee. I'm like, well, we got to try that. And it's yeah. now our new, it's now our new best coffee in the house. A research, right? I mean, that that's tax deductible now too. That's true. I already have. I've <laughs> reordered the forms and it's written down there. <laughs> Justin, we got to get on that. We yeah. need a coffee. Like the we great, do. big, beautiful coffee. The, the, yeah, the roast, the dark roast. 
<laughs> did you did you say the broast? That's what he said. Did I say that? I didn't mean to. He said the broast. <laughs> Even better, the broast. Yeah. In stores near you soon. All right, guys, we're gonna go play that interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy. I, I wanted to start off with a question you may have answered a few times, but you recorded two children's albums before you had children of your own. Uh, so I'm just curious, now that you have kids, is your approach to writing and recording music for intended for children any different from what it was when you first started? Um, well, yes and no. On one hand, um, the record that I did, the first record I did make um, in its entirety after I had kids was my Nursery Line Parade album. And that was definitely based on the fact that I had kids. Because... I love writing originals for kids, mostly because I'm really sentimental about the kind of music I listened to when I was little. It wasn't necessarily always kids' music, but there was just something about it that definitely appealed to kids, the storytelling, the humor, the melody. I wanted to make some stuff like that. Um, and the variety, like all different kinds of instruments, um, you know, including banjo and ukulele, mm-hmm. and uh, just use a lot of variety of instruments. When I had kids, I realized what they mostly liked was just listening to pop music and, you know, grown-up music. Um, they did get attached to certain kids' records because because now I'm in the kids' music world. Um, we all share music with each other a lot, and so I'd end up with a lot of CDs in my car that I might not normally play for my kids except for that a friend gave them to me. Right. Um, and my kids did really get attached to certain kids' records, but it could have been the Beatles or it could have been uh, Dolly Parton or a million other things. It, 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 they didn't they didn't connect to it especially because it was kids music right um but it was just music that they liked um but that being said i also noticed on the other hand when i was putting my kids to bed at night and and we had all these nursery rhyme books um and i would sing some of the nursery rhymes to them from the books and certain ones i knew really well um like hickory dickory dock and then other ones i didn't know at all mm. and my kids w- would ask me to sing them and I try to make up the melodies and when I started looking for those songs online it was hard to find really classic versions of a lot of the songs and I realized that there was a real need at least in my mind for more classic um, traditional recordings of, of those songs and I wouldn't have typically recorded the you know the ABCs on purpose I, I like writing new songs about mm-hmm. pancakes and just uh, different concepts um, I will also say that when I play live, the songs that it, once I started playing live, it also uh, reaffirmed what I was learning with my own kids, which is when I play live shows, if the family already has the CD and they know the songs, then the kids really are able to engage in these lyric heavy, clever, melodic songs that I've written with my friends. Um, but if not, they always love to hear the classics, the Twinkle Twinkle Little know. Star. They sing along. They, you know, it's like their hit songs. It's their Sarah smile, and you know, it's the songs that they know that they can't wait to hear. Yeah. So, I think those things inform me. But, but definitely having kids, I wouldn't have realized that kids actually do connect with those classic songs. So that that influenced me. But then when I went back to my album "Feel What You Feel," which is an originals record that I put out after Nursery Rhyme Parade, um, again it went back to that thing where I'm just trying to make good music. Um, if I'm going to spend time away from my kids, I want to make it the best that I make music the best that I can, which basically is what I always try to do anyway. Right. Um, you know, I felt a little pressure. <laughs> my kids are a tough audience, so um, they they were a little bit more of the process they heard when we were recording and writing and mixing. 
um, and there's certain songs that they like more than others, and uh, so, so I, I definitely wanted them to enjoy it. But I, if they didn't enjoy something, I would just put something else on the on the CD player. Yeah. Because you know everybody doesn't love everything. So. That's right. I mean, you, you say that kids are your are your toughest audience, your toughest critics, and I, I wonder how that transition was. Especially if you're when you're performing live for an audience, it's performing for an audience of adults, and performing for an audience of kids is a very different thing. And I mean, was that did that take a lot of getting used to? Um, you know, I have to say, yeah, it did, it did take some getting used to, partially because um, playing for kids came at the same time as learning how to play a kids show and learning how to play the kids music I had written. It was not something that, you know, I've been playing grown up shows ever since I was you know, 14 or 15 years old. It was something I've been doing forever. So it was a new skill to me anyway. It did remind me a lot, and I say this a lot, but it did did remind me a lot of playing for kind of drunk adults at a radio (laughs) festival where they really want to hear one song. You know, it's like you you have to be able to use your your special powers with your eyeballs to, like, get them to focus. And I will say more than anything, more than even the age of the audience, the space and the venue makes a big difference. Like, when I played at Wolf Trap, which is this great outdoor oh, amphitheater where Trap. The p- people are really just focused. Like the trees, you feel almost like you're indoors, but yeah. outdoors. And it's a very focused atmosphere. People are very quiet and they, and, and they interacted and they sang along. Um, on the other hand, when I play these big fields, these open field uh, festivals where the sun is beaming down and the parents are usually scooching over to the side into the trees, it's, it's a tougher crowd, you know? Um, and it's the same with grown-up crowds. When I'm playing in a space, it's a really a rock club where people are standing up against the stage and people are back at the bar drinking. It's a lot harder to have that connection than when I'm playing in a, a beautiful seated theater where the audience can hear and they're, they're just, they feel like they're supposed to, you right. know, engage properly yeah. <laughs> at a concert. So I think that was the biggest thing. Also, you know, just again, having that realization that even though I've written songs that I'm so proud of, uh, and, and my silly sing-along records and my camp songs records, it's really hard to bombard any audience, whether they're young or old, with that huge, long set list of new songs. So it's fun, you know, for grown-ups, it can be a cover song. For kids, it's a classic kid song, you know, or a song yeah. that they already know. So it's, it's, it's a similar skill. Uh, also, you know, um, getting rid of my ego, I can be a little shy, weirdly. I used to be very shy, but, um, you know, being in front of a kid's audience and realizing, you know what? Actually, there are different levels of energy and performance that you have to use in front of kids sometimes to get their attention and keep their attention. I'm not going to be like a wacky clown, yeah. but I, I love the art of entertaining, which means also reading the crowd and figuring out what level of broad or, or small gestures and stories you need to tell in order to stay engaged. Because having a show where you're really connected with the audience, it makes the show different from the, any other show. All the shows are different. Um, it keeps me open to whether there might be an audience member who comes up and sings on stage or maybe they really want to sit back and listen. Like it, it really, um, it's, it's just, uh, an ongoing process to learn the skill of how to yeah. really connect with the audience in a way that feels true to me, but that the audience enjoys. And, you know, it's, it's like <laughs> being a professional entertainer. <laughs> so... Um, in the way that your your style with kids music has evolved over time as you've figured your way out around what they want to hear and uh, how to reach out to them, you know, you've been in the music business a long time now. What is your approach to more traditionally adult music 
uh, changed over time. Like you've said it previously in an interview that you, you're sort of changing your approach to using words like love or desire in your songs. And a lot of your early stuff talked about that kind of thing, but you know, more recently, no fairy tale you're seeing, it seems to me a lot more about independence and confidence. Um, you even have a song where it seems like you're saying goodbye to the person you used to be the nineties. I know not everything is directly for you about you, but it seems like some of those messages were sent. Yeah, I mean, part of that is is what is the wonderful thing about collaboration. I made that record with my friend Chad Gilbert, and we brought in other songwriters as well, um, the, who I enjoy working with. Um, and so there's different types of song topics that come up, and and when you collaborate, uh, you I, I I approach things a little bit differently when I collaborate. I we end up sitting down saying, well, what do we want to write a song about? So a song like the 90s was a song that Chad specifically said, you should write a song about the 90s. And I said, that's crazy. I don't want to write a song about the 90s. Like, what is there to say? And then realizing, you know what? Again, like, get over yourself. People are interested in the 90s. <laughs> you know, like, what they were doing in the 90s. What was I doing in the 90s? What was it like, you know? Um, and, and I think with making the kids music has taught me that you can write about anything, really. Um, you don't, and, and it doesn't always have to be like this... Uh, voice from within that you have something that you have to express you can you can use your brain too and you can think about what kind of stories you want to tell and um, again they can be really small it can be a small moment that's a whole song or it can be a broad concept that can be a song um, and and so I think that that collaboration has uh, added more variety to the types of songs I, I record and then also um, live performing again playing those kids songs like when I play a couple kids songs at grown-up shows it's such a nice break for them they're like ah oh, yeah songs about disappointing pancake I sell more kids records at grown-up shows than grown-up records partially because people have the grown-up records already but also because people really connect with like just storytelling and um and I feel like I I just it, I've also gotten to a place especially with my new record feel what you feel where the songs aren't even really necessarily geared towards kids. They're more like songs. Again, it's more of my sentimental connection to the 70s. It's more like my hobby is the 70s, not I'm making kids' music. Um, I'm, I'm making songs like I listen to, like Rock the Boat or uh, Rainbow Connection or, um, you know, all these songs that were on the radio or, or entertainment that was on TV back then for grown-ups and kids. Uh, that That's more what I'm always embracing and capturing as I move forward. It just, I think, appeals to kids and grownups. But it, but it adds a lot more variety in the set, and it's less, I don't know, there's just a place that you are when you're, you know, 18 years old writing a song and a place where you are when you're a grown-up and you're looking at life and thinking, huh, what do I think is important? You know, what would I like to share? Um, you know, I, I, I interact a lot with fans. They talk to me, and I'm like, you know what, there's a lot of things on everybody's plate that they're interested in thinking about and trying to be more positive about or, you know, encouraged. So I'm, I'm always playing with all those different elements. And I think that, um, like you talked about with feel what you feel, the, the messaging or the interest of both kids and parents is definitely there. Like my daughter and I've been listening to that and she absolutely loves Moonstar pie and feel what you feel. And she loves one to do day. And for me, one do day completely connected. I was like, I want, I want to have a, a day where I do anything I want. Uh, and there's, right. you know, there's some, some adulty kind of messages in there, like grandma's driving. Uh, maybe she needs an eye checkup. And I, I found that was kind of a, just a neat thing for me that my daughter didn't necessarily catch. But, um, right. 
but they've got those great messages for kids at the same time. So it, you know, is that, was that your goal? It seems like that was your goal for the album. How's the response been then? People yeah, have been very happy with my this? Goal for the rec- yeah, that definitely is my goal for the record. I'm glad you caught that. And I, I, again, it, it comes from, you know, it's almost like writing musical theater, but, but without that musical theater, I don't know, there's something that can be even more sophisticated about musical theater or more, even more of a sort of a piece of a story um, of a larger story in a musical, but there's something about that where you can musicalize all different kinds of experiences and they can be humorous and, you know, there's a very fine line between making a jokey song, which I love jokey songs. Like I love all the like purple people eater and weird Al Yankovic's that take on everybody's music. And there's a way to, in, you know, put a little humor and um, sorrow and all kinds of things into songs, which I think it just creates a, a wider palette that, 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 that you don't always necessarily get with your traditional sort of pop music, you know? And is there, is there also another take on that album where it seems like some of the music you've geared for kids on, um, on emotion, on being able to freely express it. I mean, it's the name, feel what you feel right there. Right. But I'm seeing yeah. a lot of your songs yeah. sort of connecting what you feel is okay. Uh, there seems to be a lot of that in there. And I'm wondering if this is something that you feel kids need more license to do generally is do you use music to help your kids express their emotions and what they're feeling? Um, I, I, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I, I think what I do is I, I, my husband and I really play a lot of different kinds of music for the kids. My husband probably plays more music for them than I do, but we, they know that they can ask for certain songs. And, and so I sort of listen to the kind of music that they're attracted to. And I, and I know from my own experience, you know, sometimes, especially when I was a teenager, I put certain music on and you kind of wallow in your feeling, whether it's a happy feeling or a sad feeling or uh, anxious or frustrated or whatever it is. And, um, and so I think that that's, that's the thing, you know, it's like you're cold, so you put a blanket on or you're, uh, you're hot. So you jump in the pool or you, that it's breezy outside. So you run around and music is kind of like that. It's this whole other dimension and, and the kids can exist in that moment. They'll dance to music, um, whether it's sort of dance, dance, or it's more interpretive movement. Um, I just think it like it, it, it helps them be in their own moment. And again, like the whole feelings thing that that's so much for grownups too, obviously. I mean, if you've ever seen a shrink, so you realize like it's really important uh, to have your feelings and to identify your feelings. And I think we forget that sometimes because we're always just trying to keep it together. You know, I also, on the other hand, I did, I don't get into this on the record, but I, well, no, I kind of do on the song, say hello. Um, there's, there's a certain amount of respect you just need to have for other people. You know, there's certain rules about being in the world with other people that I think are really important. Oh, yeah, you go through that uh, that quick voiceover right near the end about uh, saying excuse me and, and all that really quickly. Yeah. That's really great. Oh, you want me to say it? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just remembering that it, section. It, it is on the, you, you can play it at, at the end. Yeah, it's like say excuse me and if you bump it to somebody. But it's, it's, it's all about, you know, you don't have to be best friends with everyone, but you, when you walk by somebody, you say, hey, or give them a head nod or something. You, you see that they're there. You see that other people are in your world. And I think that that's an important lesson for kids, but it's also good to remind grownups remind, and remind ourselves, you know, not other people, but ourselves. I, I wanted to ask you quickly um, about Creative Galaxy. I mean, the, the show 
is, is highly focused on creativity and art. That's that's clearly the focus of the show. But it's curious. It's interesting that the theme song doesn't even mention music. Um, so I'm just wondering how you got involved with the show originally. Um, they came to me to see if I could be a part of the show. I do um, a number of voices for different animated shows and TV commercials and things. Um, and I sing, of course. And um, it was really cool. They asked me if I would be the dance teacher. And that was one of the newer arts that they added to the series. They added dance. They added cooking. Um, you know, because there's a lot of different ways you can create and, and express yourself. And it, it just, it really was up my alley because, it, again, it's, it, it uh, it's it's its own style, you know. They've got their own style musically that the writers write, and the and the style of the it's a very cute animated style. And they they uh, illustrated me as this cute um, little glass glasses uh, character teacher. Um, but but it's up my alley in that I just think creativity should be everywhere all the time, and it should be a way that you express yourself. You know, it's a language that just like I was saying with my kids dancing, I feel like. There's just so many different ways you can express yourself and it shouldn't be a special, you know, extra hobby. It it should just be like walking and talking and eating. It should just be something that you do. Um, What I also like about Creative Galaxy, which really I connected to, is my teach as as a dance teacher um, in the show, I actually show the kids dance moves as well. So there's there's an element of technique as well as just general expressiveness and problem solving um, which are encompassed in this in storytelling, you know these these uh, sweet stories that the that the show tells, and, yeah. and problem solving, like I said. Yeah, it, it's also interesting that both Creative Galaxy and Feel What You Feel are are Amazon originals, and they're they're being pushed out in this distribution model that didn't exist clearly in the nineties. Um, but is, is, is still evolving to this day. And, you know, people are experimenting, trying different things. Do you think that that, well, di- sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say what's great about Amazon and it's funny cause the animated, uh, the kids original programming is a different, completely different department and group of people than the people who help uh, with the original music. Um, but I think what's great about something like Amazon is there are no limits, you know, like, it's not like a network TV where there's only a certain number of slots that that you can have TV shows. So in that, I think that they're more willing to take chances and to let people express themselves. And I think in, in a lot of situations, especially when you're working with professionals and I've experienced both with Amazon uh, kids, original uh, programming department, as well as in the music department, they know what they're doing. They're not just saying, go make anything. Um, It's a great conversation to, to get it to where it needs to be. And, and the level, you know, they have the high standard that they're trying to, you know, have associated with their brand, Amazon. But I do feel like there's a lot of freedom. You don't have to be everything to everyone like sometimes you do when you're on a network. Um, and in that freedom, you can actually be more creative and maybe tell your story better. Yeah. Do you think that that, you know, that level of experimentation and those distri- different distribution models, is that becoming mandatory for musicians now? Um. Well, I think it's always been important. I mean, really, the, the way the major label system works, and I've known this ever since I signed with a major label back in 1994, that, that it's really important for artists to always be as independent as they can be in their approach to connecting with their fans, making the music that they want to make, um, you know, being themselves. Uh, record companies are especially helpful when you're already doing very well and you need to reach a ton of people. We'd all like to reach a ton of people, but it's most efficient when a ton of people are already interested (laughs) in you. Otherwise, they're just throwing a bunch of money at something to try to get everybody's attention. So um, I think something with Amazon is great because so many people go there every day. I go there multiple times a day. 
Um, and the, I think the kind of people who listen to my music, who would like feel what you feel and nursery rhyme parade, who watch Creative Galaxy and those kind of kids programming, those kind of kids programs, they, they naturally go to Amazon. So it's a good match. It's, it's an efficient match. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, I think musicians, musicians, it's hard for musicians to make a living. You know, people are, are more and more just getting music for free. They're going way down, which, which unfortunately can start affecting the quality of the music or the ability to make music at all, because you got to pay your musicians in your studio. And when everybody's always doing something as a favor and getting paid, you know, half of what they used to get paid or a quarter of what they used to get paid, it's not really sustainable. But I think if we continue as musicians to find ways to get our music out there, whether it's, you know, if you do it directly somehow on your own, uh, there's a lot of different ways to get your music and, and things out there on the internet or via email or, you know, in person out on the steps of a building or whatever it is. I, musicians are always trying to do that. So I think there's just more avenues and, and we need to all keep taking advantage of them. And I think what's also cool about Amazon is they just got the PBS all the PBS uh, children's programming. And so if people realize, oh, that's, that's a place I should go um, to look for, for good programming for my kids, uh, I, I think that that will, you know, make that whole world grow and people will know to go there and that will help people who want to make things and get them seen or, so heard, you know, music-wise too. So there's a lot more, it sounds like there's, we know that there's less money out there, but there's a lot more avenues. And, you know, listening to some of the, uh, your talk on the the purple tape interviews, you worked at learning the whole business of music, right? You learned uh, not just yeah. how to be a musician, but you looked at the marketing side and things like making side A the longer side and um, of a cassette, back those things matter. And so you've seen the transition from cassettes to compact discs to Amazon and also um, social media now. And I've seen you you look quite active there. I saw you talking to your fans the other day and playing some Bowie. And, uh, yeah. it's a, that kind of engagement was really personal. It's like when people first brought home music and they could listen to it without the artist. Now you're looking directly in the mic and you're talking to people who are watching Lisa sing almost just for them. I'm wondering how you feel yeah. How yeah. social media engagement is, is it something that you're in, you know, is it, is it a task or is it something that's really rewarding to, to engage with people that way? I think it's all of the above. I mean, it's, especially as a person, I, I have a very rich life with children and, and other interests and lots of different creative projects and businesses and things happening. So in some ways it's a burden because it does take quite a bit of time. And I think it's um, for me always a balance trying to figure out how to be the most efficient I can be at connecting with the fans. Cause that's really fun. That's one of my favorite things is to talk to fans and communicate with them. When I was a kid, I had certain bands that I loved and I would join up for their fan club and I would get pen pals that we write each other actual letters um, because we both love the police, you know, um, that was a little bit more real time and it took less time. So as a musician, it can be very distracting to, to spend all your time. You could spend all your time, you know, tweeting every two seconds. And, and so there's, you know, there's always an eye on, on trying to keep things efficient and then also not to be crass, but figure out how to monetize it because it's amazing if all these people are excited to see you, but you also have to, you know, record music and, and, pay for band members and, uh, you know, go on tour and, and pay for hotel rooms and, and make merchandise that gets sold. Like all these things cost money. They're not free. Um, so you're always trying to also direct people towards actual engagement, not just, Hey, how are you? But, you know, 
I, I, it'd be great if the people who say, oh, yeah, I know who you are, they actually know what music you're making, you know? Right. So, so it's, it's this balance, I think, for, for artists as well. Um, there's the part of it that is, is it true to the artist to, um, to, to be on social media a lot? I know some friends who are, art, who are musicians who it's just natural for them and they're, they're, their lifestyle makes sense for them to be on social media all the time. There's other people who, you know, like me, where you're just kind of busy and you don't have time to do it all the time. But then there's a place where it's smart in the business to do a certain amount of it because that's the standard of what's happening. So it's just, you have to balance all of those things. And then, like I said, continue to focus on how can it actually be a business. It doesn't demean the fact that you got to play music for people and actually talk to them after playing a cover song from your own bedroom but it, it it's also you have to keep it a business in some way because you know there's not just money falling out of the sky. Uh, no, the bills got to get paid somehow. Being put into our pockets. Yeah. And and on that side, I mean, you're clearly you talk about being busy. You you've been averaging an album a year or so for your career. You've got appearances yeah. on TV. Like I saw, I looked you up in Community the other day. In movies, I might even want to come back to that in a moment. Uh, and then your social media, you've got your charity, Camp Lisa. Uh, you've got your glasses line. I'm drinking a cup of uh, wake up coffee right now that uh, good, supports right? Camp Lisa. Very it's strong. it's so good. Um, it's really good. So, <laughs> where do you, besides the coffee, where or maybe this is your answer? Where do you find the energy for all that? You know, pun aside, do you sleep? When does all this happen? I sleep is one of my top priorities um, because I feel like I can't be very present when I'm not sleeping. And as a mom, sometimes I have to say, my kids get to watch a little extra TV because I get to take a nap. Um, but I'm always trying to, as a business person and as a mom, trying to help, you know, strengthen our structure of our households. My husband and I trying to like divide up the tasks. I have, uh, you know, some different people I work with in my business, assist an assistant. And we're always just trying to, again, like make things efficient, look at how things just happened is there a way to make it more efficient is there a way to structure life so there feels like there's some free time as well as work time because you know in all these jobs we have you can just be working all the time so i think sometimes it's important to say it's eight o'clock no more work that doesn't always happen because then all of a sudden there'll be a phone call that somebody needs a decision about something or a voiceover audition or something but it's just so important to for me to keep looking at the way we're doing things and try to hone in on it and and uh but but it's also I think it's just you know people I just always have another idea that I want to make or do. Um, I think um, again to touch on collaboration has really helped me do lots of things at once. I've, I'm working with a great collaborator in music uh, over the last few years named Rich Jacks. We made my last two records together. We're also making music for another an- animated show on Amazon called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. And we've been making tons of music for that. So, so when you're working with other people, it, it lightens the burden a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I want, I wanted to, um, I think we have time for maybe just one more question. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about the Camp Lisa foundation because I looked it up and it's just fascinating to me. Um, my question though, why summer camps and how long have you been doing that? I've been doing that. Um, well, I grew up loving summer camp. I, I went to day camp and then I went to sleepaway camp. Um, outside of Austin, Texas, a place called Camp Champions. And it would just like change my world. I mean, I was a shy kid. Um, I, I always did music and, and singing and and I was always on stage, but I was still a shy kid and a very school oriented kid making really good grades and 
and all that. But when I went to camp, it was just this feeling of like, oh, it was like so relaxing and, and so different from school. And it was definitely challenging too, um, you know, trying things I'd never tried before and, and swimming in a lake and trying to water ski and meet new people. But it was just, there was something about being outside in a, in a place that was safe with counselors who didn't quite seem like adults, um, you know, out with nature. It wasn't a super nature-y type of place. It was, it was just like a general summer camp. Yeah. And I had an opportunity with my friends to make up new words to songs and perform and sit in a circle with other people and so, like socially play music as well as performing music. And I just really felt like myself. And I, I feel like that's such an important thing for kids to experience. So when I made my first kids record, it was a, called Catch the Moon. And people, a lot of fans were saying, when are you going to make another kids record? And I, I realized summer camp was the place that really, I would love to share my summer camp experience through music. The songs we used to sing, the silly ones, the gross out ones, the you know heartfelt ones. So I made a camp record called Camp Lisa. It also had some original songs that are that have some summer camp themes, like making new friends or what what to do when it rains. And um, production wise, it was influenced by by pop music and sort of soft pop hits from the '70s, a lot of harmonies and stuff like that. And when so I thought this will be a great way to share summer camp with people. And uh, and then I realized, you know, a better way to share, share summer camp with people would be to actually send people to summer camp. <laughs> that would be the way to do it. So we decided to donate all the proceeds of the record um, to, to and start a foundation called the Camp Lisa Foundation. And um, I found an organization on the East Coast called Scope, um, which is an interesting place because they help send kids to summer camp like I wanted to do. And they're interested in the whole the whole child and and the fact that when kids go to summer camp, they actually do better in school because they're engaged and they're using their mind and they're, they're again, like I said, trying new things in a safe yeah. environment, learning to be part of the community, learning to be leaders. So we found this organization to help us send kids to summer camp. So I have through the, the sales of the Camp Lisa record, as well as you can just go to the lisalobe.com website and there's a donate to summer camp, uh, Camp Lisa on the website. You can just directly donate. And I also got a great opportunity to create a coffee blend with a company called Coffee Fool. And you can go to their website and look under the charity blends. And a couple other musicians and I have our own coffee blends. And mine is shade grown, dark beans for the, the strong taste and light beans for the actual caffeine. It's called Wake Up, which is one of my summer camp songs. And um, all the money from that also gets donated to the Camp Lisa Foundation to send kids to summer camp. So it's just important to me. And, um, you know, kids are so important and they're, they can be great people. And uh, I just think that that's a, a really special thing going to summer camp. That's amazing. I never had the summer camp experience as a kid. I always felt like I was missing out on that. So it's, that's amazing. I, I really love that idea. Yeah, and I went every year, and I think it, that's it just really fantastic. Is. It's so good. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like you read stories. Like I just started reading the book The Boxcar Children with my daughter, and I don't know what happens because we only read the first couple chapters. But you, you just you see TV shows or read these stories about kids who are kind of having their own adventures, and that's what summer camp feels like. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. This, this was just fantastic. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it, too. I think I'm going to be out of a job, Jamie. I think that Mike you is going to be not. the new co-host. I've listened to your work. I can't replace you. I can only step in <laughs> yeah. where it's of less interest. <laughs> yeah. 
tongue, you're not going to be out of a job. <laughs> I'm just joking. I think it's great. Yeah. See, I, I love this. Is what's great about the arrangement is someone like Mike can come in who is clearly a Lisa Loeb fan and bring so much more to the interview than 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 I think that I could do. Like, I could have did it, obviously, but it wouldn't have been the same, wouldn't have been with the same passion. I mean, he ordered a coffee for crying out loud. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I can say with pretty, with some certainty, I don't think Justin would have bought the coffee. I, and I do appreciate, Justin, I do appreciate the opportunity. I mean, I did, um, we've already done the thing, but like, I in the 90s, like, I heard her music on the radio and then I got the CD and like, I, she was a soundtrack for me for like 12 years steady. And this actually opportunity allowed me to reconnect and be like, holy crap, I've missed some of her stuff. And she's still doing really great stuff. And this was a ton of fun to hear her and how enthusiastic she is about all of her work and uh, parenting. It was really cool. Yeah, it was good. I, it was a lot of fun. And uh, like I said, you made my job super easy. So I just got to enjoy the conversation. Awesome. awesome. So, Mike, do you have do you have any social media you want to plug before we we close the show up? Besides public mic, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> uh, just just that uh, folks can follow me on Twitter if they want to see the uh, the odd, weird programming project or uh, screaming video or uh, virtual reality and mixed reality. They can follow me at Michael Savage. Awesome. Which, you know, there's no way they're going to spell that, but I guess you guys can. Link I, I will Mike. link to it. If you if you catch the episode through Geek Dad, we'll link to Mike's social uh, there. Awesome. Awesome. And I am Justin at 140 Justin C. I just say that because you can find me anywhere with that. <laughs> just yeah, type it in, you'll find me. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jamie at the Robots. Hey, but how, how can they find the show, Justin? Right. You skipped yeah, over. Well, who cares yeah. about the show? We're, we're the <laughs> most important thing, right? Um, we're on Twitter and Facebook at the GBB Podcast for both. Come join the conversation and subscribe on iTunes to get this great episode delivered to you every not this lisa love episode but the great episodes delivered to you every single week all right guys one might even one might even say that they're great big beautiful episodes (laughs) that's a good one all right guys we'll see you next week (laughs) take care cheers this podcast has been a production of the geek dad podcast network If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.